means we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA's Yeheyes Wuhib sitting in for Sunny Young in Washington. Welcome. Welcome to the May 30th edition of The Sunny Side of Sports. Sunny and our colleague Eddie Ruima are on their way home after their time in Kigali, Rwanda, covering the Basketball Africa League. U.S. Monastir defeated Angola's Petro de Luanda 83-72 for the trophy. Sonny gives us a wrap of the BAL tournament and his time in Kigali. Sonny, what was the atmosphere like inside the Kigali Arena for the BAL final? Kate, just a great atmosphere inside the arena for the 2022 Basketball Africa League final. In fact, Kate, on May 24th, the arena officially became known by a new name, the BK Arena. And that uh, reminds me, our VOA colleague, Jackson Vungani, I had some entertaining discussions with him during the tournament. But Jackson liked to refer to the arena as the iconic Kigali Arena, the iconic Kigali Arena. Well, on May 24th, it officially became known as the BK Arena. That's right, Rwanda uh, received a pretty hefty sponsorship deal. The Bank of Kigali uh, signed a six-year naming rights deal worth, uh, reportedly worth about seven million U.S. dollars. So the arena is now known as the BK Arena for Bank of Kigali. But during the BAL final, Kate, a near capacity crowd of almost 10,000, it seemed like the fans were streaming in throughout the game. Uh, There was lots of music and cheering fans. And in terms of the fans, Petro de Luanda and U.S. Monastir both had good turnouts. Uh, You could see several Angolan flags behind the Petro bench, as well as several Tunisian flags behind the Monastir bench. Uh, Courtside was the Basketball Hall of Famer, Dikembe Mutombo, and he seemed to be enjoying the action. And uh, yeah, I thought it was a wonderful atmosphere, probably the best atmosphere uh, of the 2022 basketball africa league season can you tell us about some of the big awards that were presented at the end of basketball africa league season two kate two members of basketball africa league champion u.s monastir american guard michael dixon and sudan-born big man otter james majok scooped up big end of season awards Dixon was named the league's most valuable player after scoring 21 points in the final. And uh, he definitely had an excellent BAL campaign. And Majok, he was named the defensive player of the year, which is named in honor of Dikembe Mutombo. Uh, It's referred to as the Dikembe Mutombo Defensive Player of the Year Award. And Kate, I mentioned Mutombo Uh, being courtside for the final. I think that was uh, maybe a a minor disappointment for me that Mutombo didn't present 
the Defensive Player of the Year award to Majok. Uh, maybe he did after the game, but I thought it, it would have been appropriate for him to, uh, to, to hand that trophy to Majok. Uh, another member of Monastir, Kate, uh, the Ivorian international, Suleiman Diabate, he didn't receive an award, but I think he's worthy of a sunny side of sports shout out. Diabate uh, became the first two-time BAL champion. That's because last year, Diabate played for winner Zamalek. Zamalek uh, won the trophy last year, and Diabate was part of that team. He switched over to Monastir for the 2022 BAL campaign, and I think it was a good move. Uh, Suleiman Diabate becoming the first player uh, to be uh, to win two BAL championships. Uh, another uh, end of season award of note, Kate, was the BAL Coach of the Year, and that went to the Brazilian Jose Neto of Petro de Luanda. Uh, Neto's campaign did end with a defeat to U.S. Monastir, but uh, he also had an excellent BAL campaign, veteran coach, 51 years of age, and he has done an excellent job in charge of Petro de Luanda. So those are uh, just a few of the big awards, Kate, uh, handed out at the end of the season. Season two of the BAL had games in Senegal, Egypt, and Rwanda. Is it looking like there are going to be more African countries hosting games in the next season and future seasons? I do, Kate, but a lot will depend on facilities and infrastructure. BAL officials have expressed interest in growing the game across the continent. This BK Arena here in Kigali is really uh, kind of the standard now for how BAL would like to uh, stage the games. Beautiful facility, and it is only three years old. So it's a new arena. And uh, I'm pretty confident that BAL officials do not want to stage games in older arenas in Africa. Uh, they want to showcase the sport of basketball. And to do that, you're, you're going to have to meet certain requirements. So. You know, it's possible down the road, Kate, we're, we're going to uh, see uh, the NBA and possibly FIBA inject more money into uh, building new arenas in Africa. Uh, Masai Ujiri, uh, the Toronto Raptors president and uh, uh, also president of the Giants of Africa Foundation, he has a campaign uh, of building basketball courts across Africa. Uh, those are not arenas, however. That's uh, that's a little bigger uh, in terms of cost and size. So, but I, I am optimistic, Kate, that the games uh, will be held in more African countries uh, in the future. Nigeria is a huge market, but I did speak with some Nigerian journalists during uh, the Basketball Africa League finals, and and they say. Uh, their arenas have not been maintained, and uh, they're they're not in a they're not in a good shape uh, at this stage. So you know maybe they can spruce them up a bit. 
so uh, they can meet the Basketball Africa League standards. But I am confident that uh, we will see more African countries hosting Basketball Africa League games in the future. Now, Sonny, this was your first visit uh, to Rwanda. What are your highlights? What are you taking away from this trip? Kate, I think it really was the people uh, here in Rwanda. Uh, some of the people uh, I got a chance to uh, speak with and uh, find more about and, uh, you know, just do a little international discourse. Uh, one of the uh, gentlemen, and he is a true gentleman, Kate, is Relton Boyson, the head coach of the Cape Town Tigers basketball team. I had spoken with Coach B before the BAL finals. Uh, we did some telephone chats, uh, including a podcast in which he was uh, one of our guests. But I did get to meet him. Uh, I spoke with him initially after uh, just a crushing, almost 40-point defeat to U.S. Monastir, which uh, eliminated the Tigers, one and done, one and done here in the BAL Finals. And uh, he, uh, I, I kind of grabbed him as he was heading towards the team bus. And, uh, yeah, he was, he was a gentleman. He, he uh, took some time out to talk with me, and I could tell he was visibly... Uh, disappointed with the big loss but uh the following day uh he uh granted the voice of america a video interview and uh he he talked with us and me and my colleague eddie rawema so uh i'm gonna give coach b a sunny side of sports shout out uh kate another good friend of the voice of america and the sunny side of sports is luol dang uh, the great African basketball player, Deng, received a Legends of African Basketball Award. And again, as he was walking off the court, uh, he stopped to chat with me and Eddie Rawema. Uh, uh, Deng, another classy individual. And I think he has done uh, so much as an ambassador for African basketball. Another shout out for Brian Karunji the general manager of the Kigali-based Patriots Basketball Club. Brian and the Patriots participated in the inaugural season of the Basketball Africa League. And Brian was a guest on our final uh, BAL VOA podcast. And uh, he had some fun stories about Jay Cole uh, and his participation in the tournament last year, as well as uh, where African basketball is headed. So it was a pleasure to meet Brian Karunji. Uh, and one other name, Kate, last but certainly not least, Toy the Mopper. Toy the Mopper, Kate. Toy the Mopper has captured the hearts of African basketball fans with his acrobatic and energetic floor sweeping. And I met him outside the BK arena with his mop in hand. And Toy the Mopper is from Angola. And uh, he, he doesn't uh, speak much English, but uh, it, it was also a delight to meet Toy the Mopper, uh, who is, he is one of the celebrities, Kate, in African basketball. You see him doing his thing with the mop. Uh, throughout games across the continent. So another sunny side of sports shout out for Toy the Mopper. And last, and again, not least, Kate, I'm a big coffee drinker, very big coffee drinker. 
The Rwandan coffee is outstanding, outstanding. Some of the best coffee I've ever tasted. And I savored each and every drop, Kate. Let's keep it percolating right here on the sunny side of sports. That was Sonny Young giving us one last look at the just-finished BAL Championships. I'm VOA's Yeheyes Wuhib in Washington, and you're listening to the Sunny Side of Sports. Friends, we can all listen to the Sunny Side of Sports. Yes, my friend. I'm Sonny Young in Washington, and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Voice of America! And to all our listeners, just a reminder that we have moved our programs to voaafrica.com. There, you'll find all your favorite VOA radio and TV programs and a whole lot more. And now... We're headed into the finals of the National Basketball Association in the U.S. The Boston Celtics on Sunday night sank the Miami Heat 100-96. to Next up, the Golden State Warriors in the finals. David Ferry with the Associated Press has more. The Celtics are in the NBA Finals for the first time in 12 years following a 196 win over the Heat in Game 7. Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and Marcus Smart combined for about three-quarters of Boston's points, with Tatum leading the way with 26. I just really believe in myself. I really believe in our team. And, um, you know, it's the biggest game of the season of my career. Um, And I just have faith that we were going to give it all we had. Brown and Smart each had 24 points for the Celtics. The Heat trailed by 11 with three minutes left before storming back. Jimmy Butler finished with 35 points, and Bam Adebayo had 25 for Miami, which was trying to win the East for the second time in three years. I'm Dave Ferry. The NBA Championship Final Series begins on Thursday. On the football pitch, the big story this weekend was in Paris. Real Madrid secured a 14th Champions League title after knocking out Liverpool by one goal to nil. The match started in controversy when it was delayed for more than half an hour due to fan disturbances outside the Stade de France in Paris. Brazilian winger Vinicius Jr. netted in the 15th minute to help his team deny the Reds their seventh European Cup triumph. Our reporter Prince Nesta caught up with Liverpool and Real Madrid supporters outside the stadium just before the two teams hit the pitch. And this is what they had to say about the match. What's your name and why are you here today? Hi, my name is Shola Ikweku. I'm from Nigeria. Came all the way just for this final. I've been supporting Liverpool for 45 years this year. Um, in fact, it's 45 years exactly this month. And I expect us to win. Uh, not because I think it's not going to be a tight game, it's going to be very tight. But I think we have the kind of game that will unsettle the, the, um, the um, Real Madrid, that cause a lot of problems. 
and we have the team ethos to see it out and to get the result at the end of the day. So yeah, I think Liverpool will win. Don't you think possibly Real Madrid is going to trouble you because they have great players. Karim Benzema is on form. Vinicius Junior has been on form. I don't think threatened or scared a little bit. I'm not scared. I mean, great respect to Real Madrid. They have all the pedigree. So does Liverpool. Um, also, don't forget that the first four uh, Champions League titles that Madrid got were in the 50s when only four teams were competing. So first, I'll discount that. You have to, uh, yeah, so that's great. Yes, we have great players. But you see, in games like this, it's, it's about team ethos. And, uh, and if, you, if you look at Madrid's last three games against uh, PSG, Chelsea, Man City, they got by the skin of their teeth because of the kind of pedigree they have. And, but, but Liverpool have gotten a lot of experience over the last few years. They have what they know what it takes to go through finals and win tight games, especially this season. They've won two games of penalties. That takes a lot of nerves. And I know Madrid will continue to rule score. And uh, I think it depends on when we score first, if we score first, and if Madrid has out the balls to withstand the kind of uh, press and aggression that this team typically brings to the table, Liverpool tops really. If Liverpool wins today, what will you do? How will you feel after the game? And if Real Madrid wins today, what will you do? How will you feel after the game? Let me start with Real Madrid. I'll just go back to my hotel quietly and and get myself to sleep. If we win. I can't tell you how I feel because it'd be crazy. What I'll do, I don't know, but trust me, I probably won't sleep till tomorrow morning. <laughs> <laughs> what team do you support and what do you think about today's match? Uh, I support Real Madrid, Ala Madrid, Reyes de Europa, and my prediction is 2 0 goals from Karim Benzema and Vini JR. How will you feel if Real Madrid loses? But don't die, don't die. What well, if um, Real Madrid wins tonight? How will you feel? Uh, I don't sleep. But it's, uh, it's going to be the best experience of, of the world. So what's your name and um, tell me why you are here today. Peter Fletcher. Have an experience. A little Alfie Fletcher. We want football. We want Liverpool to win. What if Liverpool loses today? Well, we're going home unhappy. <laughs> Why if Real Madrid loses today? Very nice. Yeah? Yes. Okay. 3-1 for Liverpool. Mo Salah. Oh. What's your name and what's your predictions today? Bill from Stratford-upon-Avon and I'm predicting 3-1 Liverpool. Why do you say 3-1? I mean, what if Real Madrid wins? Because Real Madrid will not win. Uh, we got Mo Salah, we got Mane. We got, the, we got the hit squad. If Liverpool loses today, how will you feel? I will feel bad like I did in Kiev. Who do you think will win tonight's match? Real Madrid. I hope the Real Madrid, but I think the Liverpool. And I am from the Real Madrid, but I think the Liverpool. Why, why do you think Liverpool will win? Because it's, because the Real Madrid have a very, very good luck, you know, for a long time. So maybe today, finish. If Real Madrid wins, what will you do tonight? Make me crazy. <laughs> if they lose, I cry with my husband. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Two one, two one. Uh, Real de Madrid, a la Madrid. Who will win today's match? Uh, Liverpool. Goals. Salah, Salah, uh, Salah. Mane. Jota. Three one. Three one. What's your name and why are you here today? Uh, my name is Laurent. Hey, I'm in Stade France now. What's your prediction? Which team do you think will win today's match? I think it's Real Madrid is win. Real Madrid wins 1-0.
Why do you think Real Madrid will win today's match? Because uh, I think uh, we have uh, the big, the big chance. What if Real Madrid loses today's match? What will you do? <laughs> ah, but I don't know. Because me, uh, yeah, I think the Real, the Real Madrid win, but uh, but uh, see the, the lose, but they lose. Huh? It's a life. Huh? <laughs> Only the match. Huh? Life goes on, eh? Yeah, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Merci. My name's Mr. Haim and I'm supporting Liverpool. Liverpool. How long have you been supporting Liverpool for? Since since I was born. Yeah. What do you think about the today's match and what's your prediction? I think it'll be very close. I think Real Madrid are very dangerous. Uh, I think Liverpool will edge us out. Not by many goals, maybe one goal. What if Liverpool loses tonight? How will you feel? I'll, yes, I'll feel very bad, but uh, I'm not thinking about that situation. I'm sure we will win. What if they win today? I'll be getting very drunk. <laughs> <laughs> what team are you going to be supporting tonight? Uh, hi, uh, I'm Yusuf and uh, I am from Morocco. Today I'm going to support Liverpool. Yeah, we say Liverpool 3 and uh, Madrid 1. Indeed, yeah. There are mixed reactions on who would win the match just before kickoff, but in the end, the Los Blancos managed to secure their 14th year for Champions League title, with Carlo Ancelotti becoming the first manager in history to win four UEFA Champions League trophies. Reporting for the sunny side of sports and Prince Nesta in Paris, France. Back to you, Yehez in Washington. Thanks, Prince. The French government held an emergency meeting today to discuss the crowd trouble that marred the Champions League soccer final. Afterwards, authorities apologized for the problems but said police forces were not the only ones to blame. France's sports minister, Emilia Oued Castera. I'm extremely sorry for all the people whose experience have been wasted all that evening for the people that had bought tickets and were unable to attend the match. This is why we have asked the UEFA to really work on a compensation system for those people, 2,700, including British people, so that they get a compensation. Earlier, French officials said Liverpool fans without valid tickets were responsible for the initial problems, which were amplified by local youths trying to force their way into the game. But Oued Castera said there were problems in how the police reacted. There were difficulties in the way we managed the flows. We don't want, we don't want to say we, di- we, we did everything well. Clearly not. But we say there were a number of circumstances that made it difficult. The strike in the transportation, the late arrival, also the, the fact that we didn't know we were not able to really locate the people when they arrived here uh, at, at Stade de France. There was not like a, a, a very clear journey from the fan zone to the stadium, no organized buses. And on that front, it was very different from what the Real Madrid organized for their own supporters. The crowd trouble is raising concerns because France hosts the 2023 Rugby World Cup and the 2024 Olympics. For a deeper look at the Liverpool-Real Madrid match, Aaron Mike spoke with Emmanuel Okara, an African football analyst. He said the performances of some African players will motivate young players on the continent. As a fan of Liverpool Football Club of England, I was thoroughly disappointed 
at the outcome of the just concluded UEFA Champions League, where I expected the team I support to win the trophy for a seventh time. But as a professional football analyst, I must say that Real Madrid performed creditably to lift the UEFA Champions League trophy for the 14th time, which is unprecedented in the annals of European club football. Under the astute management of Carlo Ancelotti, Madrid brought their experience and all the guile at their disposal to overwhelm a very enterprising Liverpool side who were unlucky not to bury the chances that would have swung victory their way. But that's football for you. You win some, you lose some. Once again, I want to congratulate Real Madrid for their epochal feat. Can you grade the performances of the African players in the UEFA Champions League final? Even though the African contingent in Liverpool featured in the prestige matchup between two of Europe's elite teams, their performance fell below the expectations of teaming football fans across the African continent. If the trio of Salah, Mane and Keita had been clinical in front of goal like Vinicius Jr. of Real Madrid did, each of them would have scored a goal apiece and it would have swung the match in a different direction. But despite the underwhelming performance, I still want to doff my hats to them for their human effort. Emma, do you think some young and aspiring African players will be motivated by the performances of these African players that took part in the finals of the UEFA Champions League? Without any iota of doubt, Mohamed Salah, Sadio Mane, and Nabi Keita are role models for up-and-coming African football talents based on their discipline and professionalism. Before now, African players were not taken seriously in European teams, but with the sterling performance of these megastars who are now the live wire of their teams, the wind of change has wafted positively on up-and-coming African football talents who must justify the confidence reposed in them by their employers in European clubs and South American club sides. The onus is on them to not only perform very well, but to surpass what Salah and Co. have been doing all these years. That was football analyst Emmanuel Okara speaking with reporter Mike Mbonye on the telephone from Lagos, Nigeria. I'm VOA's Yehayas Wuhib in Washington, and you're listening to The Sunny Side of Sports. Now, for a look at some high-octane action. Sweden's Marcus Eriksson prevailed to win a dramatic Indianapolis 500 on Sunday as the Brickyard's most famous race lived up to its billing as the greatest spectacle in racing. As AP correspondent Tob McCabe reports, a red flag and a restart made the end of the Indy 500 interesting. Sweden's Marcus Eriksson survived a late restart to win his first Indianapolis 500. Erickson grabbed the lead with 10 laps to go, then battled it out with Pato O'Ward and Tony Kanaan after a Jimmy Johnson wreck led to a two-lap shootout. The only thing they could stop us was a caution, and uh, of course that caution came. Uh, it's not supposed to be easy to win the 500, and uh, those 10 minutes sitting there in the, in the pit lane during that red flag was 
some of the hardest 10 minutes of my life, probably. Ward finished second and Kanan was third. Pole sitter Scott Dixon led nearly half of the 200 laps, but a pit lane speeding penalty cost him a chance at the win. Tom McCabe, Indianapolis. In Formula One racing, Sunday's nail-biting Monaco Grand Prix ended with a victory for Sergio Perez. His win marked the second for Red Bull and the third of his career. Despite a rain delay and a treacherous street circuit, Perez crossed the finish line as the race champion. A victory, Perez calls, a dream come true. Yeah, it's a super day for, for myself, you know, to look back and think that I've won Monaco. It's super special to tick that box in my career. And uh, it's a massive day for myself, for my country. I was wearing today's Pedro Rodriguez helmet, so I'm sure he will be super proud, you know, and uh, of what we have achieved, both of us in the sport. However, it was a dream deferred for Ferrari's Charles Leclerc, who finished in fourth place. Leclerc started the race on pole position, but was ultimately outsmarted by Red Bull drivers in the pit stops. And afterward, Leclerc was not happy. It's a freaking disaster today. Uh, the win was clearly in our hands. We had the performance, we had everything. So, um, yeah, we need to get better. Ferrari teammates Carlos Sainz managed the second-place finish for the second consecutive year but expressed disappointment in just missing the top spot. Max Verstappen finished in third place has now stretched his Formula One championship lead over fourth-place finisher Charles Leclerc to nine points. The top four drivers that crossed the finish line were separated by a razor-thin 2.9 seconds. And that wraps up the show. Thank you for tuning in. I'm VOA's Yeheyes Wuhib in Washington. And that's the sunny side of sports. Uh-huh.